from the Hutterberg Catechism. We read together Lord's Day 7. That's on page 523 of your book of praise. Are all men then saved by Christ just as they perished through Adam? Uh, no. Only those are saved who by a true faith are grafted into Christ and accept all his benefits. What is true faith? True faith is a sure knowledge whereby accept as true all that God has revealed to us in his word. At the same time, it is a firm confidence that not only to others, but also to me, God has granted forgiveness of sins, everlasting righteousness and salvation out of mere grace, only for the sake of Christ's merits. This faith, the Holy Spirit, works in my heart by the gospel. What then must a Christian believe? All that is promised us in the gospel, which the articles of our Catholic and undoubted Christian faith teach us in a summary. What are these articles? And there follows the Apostles' Creed as we just confessed it earlier. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, do you know what faith is? And do you know why faith is necessary? Do you understand why there are times in life when God tests our faith? Do you have a living faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Do you know the benefits of having such a faith? These are some of the questions we'll deal with this afternoon. Thus far in the Catechism, we've come to a good understanding of how we are sinful people of how we deserve to come under God's wrath. We've learned that God's intent is to open the way of salvation to many people. We've seen that God has provided us with a wonderful mediator and deliverer in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Do all people share in the salvation Christ has earned? Well, we know that's not so. The Bible speaks about two different pathways in life, about the wide road that leads to destruction and about the narrow path that leads to life. They speak about life with God and death apart from him. They speak about heaven and about hell. And so today we face the question, how can we make Jesus Christ our own? How can we share in the life he grants and in the blessings he gives? There's only one way to share in Christ and all his benefits. It is by true faith. It is by believing. It's worthwhile to note that the English language uses two words, both to have faith and to believe to translate one word in the Greek original, faith is the only way that we can take hold of the promises of God. And if there's no faith, 
There's no salvation. If you don't believe, you will not be saved. In our sermon, we'll see how necessary it is to believe. We'll delve into what it means to have true faith. We'll examine what faith is by considering how at times our faith is also tested. I preach to you God's word under the following theme. True faith binds us to Christ and allows us to share in all his blessings. We'll consider what faith is, how our faith is tested, and how our faith is blessed. The Bible describes faith for us in Hebrews 11, verse 1. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Or in a different translation, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Our Catechism defines true faith as a sure knowledge and a firm confidence. Faith is accepting as true all that God has revealed in His Word. Faith is having a firm confidence that God's promises of salvation are not just for other people, but they're also for me. To get an understanding of what faith is and what it looks like, it's helpful to look at the life of Abraham. God appeared to Abraham at various points in his life. In Genesis 11, the Lord appeared to Abraham to call him to faith. The Lord commanded him, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Abraham was living in Haran. He was well established, living a comfortable life, surrounded by loved ones. Yet God called him to go to a land he would show him. With the command, the Lord gave gracious promises. He said, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We don't know what kind of relationship Abraham had with God prior to his call. We do know from Joshua 24 that he and his family served other gods. But Abraham believed God's promises. And so he obeyed God's call. Hebrews 11 verse 8 tells us, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Here we see what faith really is. It's believing that God's promises are true. It is being confident that God's promise is not just for others, but that they're also for me. The point I want to make clear, beloved, is that faith is not just a feeling in your heart. Faith is more than just having some thoughts about who God is and what he has done. True faith involves a rich confidence in the Lord. When you have faith, you are prepared to take God at his word. How? By obeying what he commands you to do. Abraham was willing 
to pack his bags, to load up his camels, to leave behind his family. His faith involved much more than just thinking. It required an active response from him. His faith showed in that he went to live in a foreign country, trusting that God would make him into a great nation and give his descendants Canaan as their inheritance. Now, if I was to ask whether or not you believe in Jesus Christ, I'm sure most of you would say, yes. You believe that God sent his son into the world and that Jesus came to pay for our sins. You believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins, that he rose to grant you new life in him. But what do you mean when you say that you believe this? Is it just some knowledge that you have about what the Bible teaches? Or is the gospel something you're so confident about that it changes your whole life? You see, beloved, if you believe in Jesus as Savior and Lord, it changes everything. It requires a heart change in you. You trust that as your Savior, Jesus has redeemed you. You believe his promises that he will, as your good shepherd, take care of you. You rely on him to provide food and drink and the necessities of life. You believe that your life is in his hands, that he will graciously give you all things. You're willing to trust that he knows what's best for you and to submit your life to his care and keeping. Part of believing in Jesus and trusting in him is that we're willing to submit our lives to his lordship. That means that instead of trying to run life your own way, you're willing to submit to the direction of his word and spirit. Now, theoretically, that sounds easy. But like Abraham, the reality is not always so easy. It's not easy because there's so many unknowns. Our life can be filled with uncertainty. We don't know God's plans for our lives. Some of us are single and we'd like to find someone to share our life with. The Bible provides direction in terms of whom we're allowed to marry. It stresses that we should only commit to a relationship with someone who shares our faith. But we may not be meeting fellow Christians that we're attracted to. We do meet others at school, at work, or elsewhere who are really attractive. So, beloved, what do you do? Do you believe that God's word is true? That God provides wisdom for how to choose a life's partner? Are you willing to trust that if you do, that if it be God's will, he will provide you with the right person at the right time? Faith involves submission to Christ's direction. 
It involves obedience to his commands. Yet often it's not easy. Sometimes it's hard to believe God's promises and to trust his faithfulness. The Lord promised to make Abraham into a great nation. But Abraham didn't even have a son. In Genesis, we see how the Lord spoke to Abraham in a vision. In Genesis 15, he said, Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Abraham responded by reminding the Lord that he was childless, and that the heir of his household was Eliezer, his servant. The Lord responded, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And then the Lord told Abraham to look at the heavens and to number the stars if he was able. He told Abraham, so shall your offspring be. Genesis 15 verse 6 says, And Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God. But still nothing happened. Month by month, the years passed by. Sarah remained barren. When the Lord appeared to Abraham again in Genesis 17, Abraham was 99 years old and his wife Sarah was 90. Once again, the Lord promised to give Abraham and Sarah a son. Abraham laughed, saying, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Yet the Lord confirmed that in about a year's time, they would receive a son, and that they were to call his name Isaac. Hebrews 11 tells us that by faith, Sarah received the power to conceive, even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful, who had promised. You see, there's times, beloved, when it's hard for us to trust God's promises, hard to believe in his goodness and his faithfulness. We live in a sinful and broken world, and we face the effects of that. There's times when we're diagnosed with serious illnesses, Some struggle with ongoing illness and the struggles and limitations that come along with it. Some face ongoing struggles with anxiety or depression. Some are seriously injured. Some even die in accidents. Some would love to receive children, but the Lord doesn't grant the desires of their hearts. Some see loved ones stray from the Lord's ways. When we struggle with these things, we pray about them. We ask God for help. We lay our needs and our desires before the throne of grace. But at times it seems as if God's not listening. Or at least he's not answering us in the way that we desire. It's hard. It can really undermine our faith. If God is loving, and he cares for us, and he's a good God, 
And he delights in giving good gifts to his children. Then why doesn't he hear our prayers? It's easy to get disillusioned with God, to get frustrated or angry. In such times, it's hard to hold fast God's gracious promises, to believe they're for me. So what do you do? Do you give up on God's promises? Do you doubt his love and faithfulness? Do you start to think that he's not a good God? Do you start rebelling against him? Do you go your own way and seek to fulfill your own desires, even if it means disobeying God's commands? Do you turn away from him? Or do you persevere in your faith, even though you don't understand God's way in leading your life? Can you see, beloved, that faith is not just some theoretical thing? You see that it relates to everyday life? God has promised to provide you with everything that you need for body and soul. Do you believe that? Do you believe it enough to give your first fruits to the Lord? Do you faithfully give to support God's kingdom work? Or do you hoard your money or spend it on yourself? God has promised. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may endure it. Do you believe that? Do you believe it enough that when you're tempted to sin, you look for a way out? Or do you give in to the weakness of the flesh and indulge your sinful desires? Remember, beloved, that faith is a sure knowledge of God's promises and a firm confidence that these promises are also for me. If you want to grow in your faith and trust in God, you need to know who He is and the gracious promises that He has made to you. If you want to stand firm in the faith when facing trials and sorrows in life, you need to be busy studying God's Word being reaffirmed in God's goodness and love and faithfulness. Faith grows strong when you're invested in the Word. It weakens when you don't give the Holy Spirit the spiritual food you need to thrive in God's service. And so, beloved, I want to encourage you to read, to study God's Word, to commit to a Bible study with fellow believers. It helps so much, especially in times when our faith is tried and tested. In our first point, we've seen what faith is. In our second point, we'll consider how our faith is 
tested. I want you to consider with me the way in which God tested Abraham's faith. We read from Genesis 22 where the Lord once more appeared to Abraham. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Now when God required this of Abraham, he did not know that he was being tested. Genesis 22 verse 1 and Hebrews eleven seventeen tell us that this was a test from God. But Abraham was unaware of this, that this was a test of his faith. He simply received a command from God to offer Isaac as a burnt offering. Do you know what a burnt offering was? And when people presented such a sacrifice to God? A burnt offering was normally the sacrifice of a cow or goat or sheep. The whole animal was laid on the altar. It was burnt until there was nothing left. Burnt offerings were usually offered to express a person's devotion to the Lord. A person would recognize that all they had came from God's hands. And in response, they would offer up an animal as a sacrifice of thankfulness to the Lord. The Lord had given Abraham many things. He had called him away from the idolatry of his father's household to serve the living God of heaven and earth. He had cared for Abraham as he brought him up from Ur of the Chaldeans and brought him to the land of Canaan. God had prospered Abraham greatly so that his household grew and he became a rich man. The Lord had entered into a covenant relationship with him, promising to make him a great nation through a son born to him. In response, the Lord now asked Abraham to show forth his wholehearted devotion to him by presenting to him a burnt offering. Yet the Lord did not just want any offering from Abraham. He wanted him to offer his son Isaac, the son whom he loved, Abraham and Sarah had not received children for many years. The Lord had promised, but nothing happened. Thirty-five years passed from the time when God called Abraham, promising to make him a great nation, till the time when Isaac was finally born. Isaac's name means laughter. He brought so much laughter and joy to the life of his parents not only because they finally received a son from God's hand, but because he was the son of promise. God had promised to make Abraham the father of a great nation through him. He had promised that all the families of the earth would be blessed in him. It was through Isaac that the Lord would send the Messiah for the salvation of mankind. And now... The Lord was requiring Abraham to offer up this son as a burnt offering. By requiring this of Abraham, the Lord was testing Abraham's devotion. 
Did Abraham truly love God with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his mind? Did he love God so much he was willing to offer up the thing he treasured more highly than anything else on earth? That's the test the Lord put before Abraham. Was Abraham willing to put God first? Did he love God more than his own dearly loved son? Was he willing to sacrifice the son who held the key to his future? The son upon whom Abraham's hopes and dreams were based? Just like with Abraham, there are times and situations in our lives when God will also test us. The idea of God testing his people is common in the Bible. Deuteronomy 8 tells us that the Lord led Israel through the wilderness for 40 years to test them, to know what was in their heart, whether they would keep his commandments or not. We sang earlier from Psalm 66 about how God tests his people as ore is in the furnace tried. This psalm also shows the reason why God tests us, that we, in the fire of God's refining, may be like silver purified. The idea that God tests his people is also clear in the New Testament. James writes, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Peter also writes about it in 1 Peter 1. He speaks about how God brings various trials into the lives of his children to test the genuineness of their faith. The goal of God's testing is never to do us harm. God tests our faith to assure us that it is genuine and in order to strengthen us in it. There are different ways in which God may test our faith and devotion to him. We may be challenged to make sacrifices to God in smaller or greater ways. What do you do, beloved, when your boss requires you to work on Sundays, even though you've indicated that you're not willing to do so? Do you go in and work? Or do you continue to set aside the Lord's Day as a day for rest and worship? Would you be willing to give up your job in order to be obedient to Christ? How do you deal with the sexual temptations that come your way? Do you recognize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, that you are not your own, but you were bought with a price? Are you willing to say no to the sinful desires that arise within you in order to honor God, to glorify God in your body by living in holiness before Him? See, beloved, we're prone to idolatry, to making certain things more important than God. We have a tendency to make money and possessions, or our status and popularity, or holidays and entertainment, the most important thing in life. In the Western world today, the greatest rival to God is self. So many people live from the philosophy 
I have the right to be happy. I can do whatever I want to make myself happy. We tend to think the world revolves around me, myself, and I. And yet God calls us to give him our hearts. True devotion to God is seen in that we don't put more value on God's gifts than we do on the giver of those gifts, on our Father in heaven. God calls us to love him first, to love him above all else. But, beloved, to do that, we need faith. We need to truly believe God's promises. We need to trust that the Lord is faithful and true. Abraham did believe in God. He believed God's promise. Your very own son shall be your heir. Genesis 15, verse 4. He trusted that God was speaking the truth when he said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Genesis 21, 12. And so in this greatest test of his life, Abraham raised up the knife in his hand to slaughter his son, to offer him up as a burnt offering to God. Hebrews eleven seventeen says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Why? Verse 19 says that he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. Beloved, there will be times when your faith is tested. You will be confronted with trials and sorrows, with struggles and temptations in life. And in those times, you're faced with a fundamental choice. Do you hold fast God's promises and remain obedient to his commands? Or do we, out of frustration or anger or unbelief, reject God's promises and go our own way? Hold fast your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember how Jesus himself was tested and of how God rewarded his faithfulness. Remember how he had to walk the pathway of suffering before entering glory. Brings us to our final point, how our faith is blessed. Let's take a brief look at what happened to Abraham when he responded positively to the testing of his faith. The main thing that happened is that the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. He said, do not lay your hand upon the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. God spared Isaac. He gave him back to his father. But that's not all. When Abraham looked up, he saw a ram, a male sheep behind him, caught in the thicket. Abraham went and offered this ram as a burnt offering to the Lord. He called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide. For God had acted in accordance with what Abraham told Isaac earlier. 
When Isaac asked about the lack of a sacrifice, the Lord provided a sacrifice. We may be confident that if we stand firm in the testing of our faith, God will indeed bless us. If we honor God and show our love and devotion by being obedient to his commands, he will bless us richly. Our text shows that. God confirmed his promises to Abraham in a far richer way than even he understood. By receiving back his son, Abraham knew that God's plan to bless all nations through Isaac could go ahead. But he did not understand how God would accomplish our salvation. Living in the last days, we have a far better understanding of that. Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac points forward to the sacrifice God was willing to offer to accomplish our salvation. Isaac is called Abraham's only son, the one whom he loved. The Bible uses similar language to refer to God's only son, his dearly loved son, our Savior Jesus Christ. Isaac carried the wood for the burnt offering on his back, just as Jesus Christ would later carry his cross to his own place of sacrifice. Abraham and Isaac's journey through the valley of the shadow of death lasted three days. And for three days, Jesus lay in the tomb before he was raised up by the power of God. Despite the similarities between Isaac and Christ, there's one stark difference. God did not actually require Abraham to offer up his son as a burnt offering. Instead, a lamb took his place. But that was different with God our Father. He sent his dearly loved son into the world as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God presented him as a sin offering on our behalf so that in him we might be set free from sin and death. Here, beloved, we see the depth of God's love for us. He was willing to give up his only son to sacrifice him for us. We see that through Abraham's offspring, God provided redemption so that everyone who believes in Jesus should not perish but have eternal life. In Christ, Abraham has become the father of all believers. Beloved, it is in Jesus Christ that we find our hope and salvation. All God's promises find their fulfillment in Him. He's the answer to all the struggles we face in life, to our doubts and our insecurities. Put your faith in Jesus Christ alone. Trust that in Him your sins are forgiven. Believe his promise that he has granted you his spirit to live in you. Know that through the powerful working of God's word and spirit, 
He will not only give you faith, but also preserve you in that faith. God never tests our faith with the purpose of knocking us down. The goal of his testing is to build us up in our faith. He wants to teach us. We can trust his promises. He wants us to rely on him, for he is faithful always. Amen. Let's respond to the gospel message by rising and singing together from hymn 43.